Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next hit of Rugby Nation. I'm Sean Maloney, Beth Newman, you can see on screen, as well as our special guest this week, dialing it in from Brisbane, I believe, Matty Taylor, Wallaby's uh, defence coach. Matty, how are you doing? Yeah, great. Yeah, really good to be here. Uh, thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, it's been a busy week for you. So rather than you climbing into what's unfolded Monday morning first up with the guys getting back to training. I'm going to let Beth do the heavy lifting. Beth, run us through what you can report off the back of yesterday morning and then we'll come to Maddie on the other side. Yeah, it's been a, a big couple of days for rugby, hasn't it? You know, the news came out on Monday this week that, uh, that Isaac Lucas, Isaac Rodder and Harry Hawkins have all been stood down after, um, you know, refusing to agree to the pay cut deal that, you know, Australian rugby players agreed to last month. Um, you know, they told the Queensland Rays about 10 days ago that, that they weren't really happy with the situation and, um, and ultimately with, you know, teams finally returning to training on Monday, um, the QIU decided to, to stand them down. It's a kind of a, an unprecedented situation, which, you know, it seems to be like we're saying that a lot the last few months, um, you know, but, but it was obviously very serious yesterday morning and Rugby Australia Director of Rugby, Scott Johnson, spoke um, as the Reds came back to training. And probably the thing that was interesting you know, about what he said about the, the situation was that these guys are all really big parts of, of what he saw as the future of Australian rugby. And, and I guess, um, you know, from your perspective, Matt, as someone who's probably, you know, started to work with some of the Australian rugby players since, since you've come back this year, you know, what, are your, what was your kind of reaction to, to that situation, that news yesterday? Yeah, I mean, um, I only probably found out a little bit of the news a couple of days ago that a couple of the guys, uh, what they were going through. And, yeah, listen, I think the powers of be are working through the situation and, and things like that. All I can do is really focus on, on what we're doing at the moment with the other guys who, um, who have all signed the form or, or consent form and things. But hopefully they can work a way through and, and find our common ground between them all. How much is it a player manager uh, in this space? So for those that are watching on and don't know how that process works, how much of it's determined by the player and how much by the player manager generally in these situations? Uh, well, listen, uh, again, it's it's hard to really comment on, on what's been said between the two. But listen, it's like anything in life. You, you'll have advice from different people in your life. Uh, one of which will be a manager, there'll be parents, there'll be coaches. And I suppose like anything in life, you've got to take on board what you believe uh, is right or your best kind of avenue. And, and that's maybe where those guys are sitting at the moment. But hopefully they're getting advice from a lot of different places and people that they can trust and, and hopefully they can make the right decision or the decision that's, that's best for everyone. Handle that well. Let's get back to how you've handled uh, ISO and quarantine. What's been the playbook in the Taylor household? It's very quiet there. Are you on your own? <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've got everyone in the different section of the house. Well, it's, I've had uh, a couple of six, the last six months has been a little bit different for me. Um, when I came on board uh, with Australia in January, me and my son came back from the UK. Uh, he went into the Southport School as a boarder. And then I basically, most weeks, I travelled around Australia visiting all the super teams. And then my wife and daughter, my daughter was in her last year, year 12, in, uh, in Scotland. And we were going through the process of selling a house. So they stayed on the other side of the world. And then the virus hit. So that kind of put a spanner in a few things as well. But... Um, yeah, we're, they're coming back on Friday, so they're in quarantine in Sydney as we speak, so we're looking forward to having the family back together. Um, in terms of work, it's been absolutely fantastic to be back in Australia. Um, first few months, 
in Australia, January, February, March. Uh, me and um, Wisey were basically getting around all the super teams, um, building relationships there, listening to the coaches, seeing how, um, talking in through rugby, talking through individuals. And then the other thing which we've been working really hard on is the individual development plans with the players. So um, as, the vi- as the virus hit, it's, it's probably uh, made things a little bit more difficult, but um, we've had some really good work in that space. Who are some of the guys that you've kind of been working with particularly closely on those sort of development plans? Well, listen, I think um, there's, there's a group of about um, 35 of them at the moment. So um, what, what we kind of did as a coaching group with Dave Rennie being involved is we, we took around, um, you know, 12 of those guys each um, and from various positions. And then we've just been kind of um, talking to them the players have also been um, going away and, and even in the time off and away from the teens have been working hard and, and sending us videos of all their work that they've been doing and we've been kind of giving them feedback and um, we gave them quite a detailed plan of, of where we thought they were. Um, so we did a lot of stats in regards to um, their games for the rounds one to seven. Um, Dave Rennie's really big on the off-the-ball work. So... We as coaches spent a great deal of time, me and Wisey particularly, and Dave, uh, looking at, so me defensively looking at their off-the-ball work and what they were doing and then gave them feedback around that. But also what we did, as well as give them a lot of information, we probably got them to focus on two points particularly um, and really had them focusing hard on that in this period and, and moving forward. Obviously, your background and your specialty is the defence side of things. What sort of stuff have you got them working on in isolation where they can better their defence when they actually get back on the park? Well, um, we, Dave, again, and, and all of us probably know that uh, the ground to feet and the ability to kind of make a tackle or a clean out and get back on your feet is a really important part of rugby. So, And it's an area we felt, uh, as, as a group across the board, we could make some real um, shifts in. So, again, um, a lot of the activities might have been, you know, do, hitting a tackle bag or, or, or getting to ground and, and getting back up within all the rules surrounding the, the virus at the moment. But a, lo- a lot of that kind of ground to feet conditioning has been part of some of the things that we've been doing. Um, there's also been a real um, emphasis. Dean Benton's had a massive influence in around the, the power and speed part of the game, which in this environment when you can't do team, it's actually you can you can work individually on your power and speed. So that's been a real big focus for them as well. Um, and has there been anyone in particular who's, who's really, you know, kind of made big strides during during that time? Um, there's, been, there's been probably, I mean, they've all been working hard. Um, Taniela Tupu has, has been, um, he's been in, in my group of 11. Um, he's been really exceptional in terms of the work that he's, He's really done uh, his speed, his power, um, his ground to feet, which for, for a big man of 135 kilos is, is pretty hard to get up and back and to deck and things like that. But he's worked really hard on that, which, is, which has been good. But listen, across the board, we've been really impressed with how the guys have gone away and, and uh, applied themselves and send the videos in of, of them working. Um, so I think across the board, um, it's hard to single out because they've all been doing such a great job. But uh, Taniella in my group has, has been really, really good. I noticed you don't mention that you're in charge of his diet, though. You left that bit out. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Oh, well, I think uh, Damien Marsh at the Reds, again, has, has been doing a good job in that department. And, uh, you know, they're all skin folded when they came back in. And, 
Um, you know, they're pretty tough on guys. Or Dave, Dave's big on the discipline part of the game as well. So guys, Dave got around and talked to all of them um, and spoke to them about what he expects from them and, uh, as wallabies and, and things like that. So I think that they knew what to expect. They weren't, they weren't kind of coming in cold or coming back as a group not knowing what they needed to be at or near. So he's done a really good job there. And what did training look like on Monday morning when you got back on the park? Like, are you in little pockets of groups? How's it been facilitated? What rules do you need to adhere to to actually be out there training as a professional team? Yeah, so listen, well, I'm actually going to go up to the Reds uh, next week. They've, they've been kind of working uh, as a group, but we'll go, I'm going to go there next week. They're actually, the way they've, I was speaking to Brad Thorne uh, today, actually, um, they've been uh, in their small groups. They've been doing part uh, conditioning with one group, part, I think, Monday and Fridays, their attack days, and Tuesdays, Thursdays, their defence days. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that group's kind of um, uh, developing there because we've got a lot of young, really exciting players coming through and I think you'll see them featuring heav- heavily for the Wallabies over the leading into the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing them next week. And I guess you guys don't have a forwards coach yet, but from a Wallabies perspective, how are you guys, you know, getting the, the players to develop in that way? Um, yeah, listen, we've had a real big emphasis on the, um, the general play part of the game at the moment. Um, Wisey's a backs coach, so, um, so again, a lot of the pass catch, the kind of the running lines, those type of things. In regards to the forwards um, positioning, um, there's been a lot of um, just talking to the forwards coaches within the provinces and, and, and tapping into their kind of intellect and what they've been doing with the players and um, that's again a big part of what I think Dave's done really well is we've ha- we've talked to the super coaches, got their opinions. They're working with the players day day in day out. Uh, they know their players really well. Um, we want to hear from them. Um, they've got a really good understanding of the player. Um, Will as time progresses and we move through this uh, tough period with the virus, we'll get to know them more and more. But again, we're we're relying a lot on them. Um, it was good for me and Wise to go see them over that period in the first three, three and a half months before the virus hit. So, again, and just me and us talking to them as, as much as we can in this period, just find out a little bit about them and, and building those connections so that when we come together, we know a little bit about them. Um, and we're not coming in cold. Getting a little bit closer, it looks like the return to uh, Super Rugby here in Australia. How excited are you to see blokes running around running into each other, running around each other again. Oh, so excited. I think um, we as coaches, we, we have our catch-up uh, most Mondays and we were all saying how good it's going to be seeing all the guys back in actions and, and really fighting hard for Wallabies jerseys. And No, I can't, can't wait. And they're all, all, the, all the super coaches are dying to get back into it as well, like speaking to them. Uh, there, there's been lots of planning and lots of Zoom meetings, as probably we all have been around the world at the moment, but we've spent a great deal of time in this period, making sure that they're, they're doing the hard work. And probably like a lot of other codes have been suggested, whether it's Aussie rules or rugby league, I think the team that ends up winning the competition, um, you know, in years to come will say, well, that team's done exceptionally well to win this because there's been a lot of adversity in terms of how you train and stop, start and that. And so, um, yeah, it'll be a real good achievement, whoever comes up on top uh, in the Super Rugby competition when it, when it all kicks off again and finishes at the end.
Yeah, it's interesting you say that. There's been so much talk in AFL circles about whether they should, you know, give out the Brownlow medal and things like that. When, yeah, it seems like it would actually be harder to to come out on top, at, you know, at the end of this season. And, you know, do you think it could be, you know, telling in terms of the character of some players and some teams as well, like looking even from a Wallabies perspective, potentially? Yeah, definitely, Beth. I think... Um... Yeah, it'll show you. It'll show you the teams. It'll probably show you the individuals who have had the real mental discipline to really apply themselves and keep themselves going in these environments where it hasn't been a normal environment. They've had to do things slightly different, and um, certainly, certainly from what I've seen so far, I think all the super teams have done a great job with staying connected to their players, keeping them motivated in different ways, um, which they normally wouldn't have had to do. Um, but these restrictions have had had to make them think about how they do things a little bit differently. And I think they've all done their uh, really good job in different ways. Um, so, yeah, so, but yeah, as you said, I just can't wait to see a bit of rugby being played now. And, and we're probably lucky in this part of the world that we seem to be the best place to be able to do that compared to just about everywhere else in the world, maybe apart from New Zealand. Matty, there's been some chat around some potential rule changes, including coming from the newly appointed uh, chair of Rugby Australia, Hamish McLennan. I know Dan McKellar got involved the other week. If you can change one law for this upcoming Super Rugby season in Australia, what would it be? Oh, geez, now you put me on the spot. Come Um, on, you'd have hundreds of them. I think, uh, you know, one that just comes to mind and probably just kind of gets on my wick a little bit is just how long scrums take to reset and pack and maybe a stop clock to, to maybe, you know, the dead time that we all know that unfortunately occurs with sometimes scrummaging, just kind of, you know, just let's have some more playing time. And, you know, we've probably seen a couple of times in, in years gone past where, you know, the real smart teams or they, they can manipulate the clock with the scrum and, and, and wear out a game like that. I don't think that's probably a great look for the game. So, if you ask me, that would probably be the, the <laughs> one that I would try and change or, or whatever. You've got to, um, yeah, you've got to make the game as attractive as possible. It's, it's interesting that we all know that Northern Hemisphere, how they maybe view the game slightly different than how we view it. And uh, what we've always got to be a little bit careful of is if we, when I say tinker, if we change too much or try and go down one way, but then the Northern Hemisphere often has a lot of power with, you know, how they change rules and they go, no, this is how we're doing it. And we've been trying to play a different way. Come test matches, it can affect how well we play a test match style of game. So, and Dave Rennie understands that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's always that balance between how we go about that. And is that, I mean, you talk about that balance and as well, I guess, whenever you talk about rule changes, it's, you don't want to lose like the, the quality and the traditions of the game. There's always back and forth with that as well, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, it seems like the scrum issue continues to come up. You know, do you think it's something that can be easily changed and probably, you know, could work for Northern Hemisphere teams, even though they seem to be the ones that are often, you know, manipulating that clock to their advantage? Yeah, I think, I think um, the, the clock one, again, and I, I wasn't a front row, so that I might get in trouble for saying this. <laughs> you think that you'd be able to sort the clock rule out and that reasonably easily. I think, um, so hopefully they can adjust to that. I think, listen, the scrum's an important part of our game and um, we don't want to take it away um, because it is that makes us unique. And um, yeah, so, but definitely the wasting of time and the, the clock in which we can kind of hopefully just, you know, start and stop the clock when there's actually game time rather than wasted time, I think, and I would imagine an easy thing. So hopefully I haven't 
put myself in the trouble by saying that. No, you haven't. You, I think you've won. I think you've won even more fans by suggesting that's a way forward. Hey, we've got a potential date, Matty, for uh, Super Rugby. When, what date are you and uh, Wisey and and Dave working towards in terms of a Wallabies v All Blacks game? Have you got a specific date that you're trying to time your run towards yet? Oh, listen, not really. There's been lots of talk about like. Um, you know, different scenarios about maybe even playing teams for the North, you know, the Kiwis, this or that. We haven't been told exactly, so they're still working away. And, and we all know with this virus, it's, it's you know, it's hard to work out. But listen, I think it when it comes about, or if it comes about, it'll be uh, definitely, you know, September, October, November time. But again, it's it's one of these things. It's, as we all know, every week's kind of different depending on um, how the virus is going up or down or that. But yeah, it'll be the, the back part of that those last three or four months, I think, so. How do you prepare, though, for such an unknown, sorry, you know, yeah. not knowing when you're going to play? Well, yeah, no, it's interesting. I think what we're, how we're preparing right now is, we've actually, I've got a meeting straight after here with uh, Dave and Wisey and, and Dean Benton is, we're just making sure that we have real clarity of how we want to play the game. Um, again, because we don't know exactly who we're going to play, we've just got to make sure that when the players come in and, that we're very crystal clear on our parts of the game and, and how we're going to coach it and how we're playing. So we're doing a lot of work around that. And that's, if we get our game right the, uh, and we get our strength and conditioning part of the game right, then we'll be a match for anyone. Um, so again, we're just focusing probably more on our game. And then when we get, we work out who we get. Listen, New Zealand's in a pretty good, reasonably spot in terms of the virus. We're in a pretty good spot. So there's there's probably a big chance that, you know, we're going to be playing them when and how many games and that we'll wait and, and be told by the powers to be. But um, And then you, you look at some of the other teams around the world, they're in a bad spot. So, um, you know, so you know if you're a betting person, you'd, you'd imagine we're going to be playing New Zealand. So, But once we're told and um, we'll just have to wait. But again, we, we get our game right and we develop our players as best we can within this period. The super rugby teams will do their bit. We'll do our bit then. Whenever we find out who we're playing, we'll hopefully be right to go. Matty, amongst a lot of the uncertainty in rugby Australia over the last few months, one of the things that's remained very much intact is Aussie rugby fans' appreciation for the coaching team that we've got to work forward towards uh, 2020 and beyond. We know a lot about you. We know a lot about Wisey as well. But for people watching, how would you describe Dave Rennie? What's impressed you about Dave Rennie since he's sort of come back into this, he's uh, entered his first uh, run as an international coach in Aussie Colours? Uh, yeah, listen, Dave's, Dave's uh, a person who's impressed me for a long time. I've probably, uh, I've been lucky enough probably um, to know Dave for a long period of time. I actually met Dave way back in 2007 at IRANS, an international rugby course that he kind of was involved in. And then he was involved in New Zealand 20s. I was Aussie 20s, Chiefs, Reds. And then he went to Glasgow. He's been there for three years. I was living in Glasgow. So I know him well. I think the way, the style of game he plays will really suit or resonate with the Australian public. I think he, he wants to play an up-tempo game. He wants to, um, you know, use the ball in hand. He'll kick when we need to and smartly, but uh, to have that balance. But... And I think the culture of the teams he's been involved in, he, he really builds um, really good cultures within the teams. Again, we've, we've worked pretty hard on a group of uh, players over the last three or four weeks on the cultural part of the team, which is always 
we can talk about the X's and O's and the strategies, but the culture's the real thing that drives us. So he's very good on that. And mate, he's, a, he's a good bloke. He's, he's the type of guy as a boss you want to work for with. Um, you know, he's a, he's a deep thinker. He's always pretty levelled. He's, he's never too high or too low. Um, so listen, um, I, I think he's, he's, he's a coup for us in Australia to have him. And um, so, yeah, as is Wisey. I think um, I've known Wisey for a long time, but again, the more I get to know him, uh, the more I understand what an unbelievable coach he is. And then the other person that isn't talked about as much, but a, a massive part of our game is Dean Benton, I think. Mm the success he's had with the programs, whether it's rugby league, rugby union, England, he's been uh, exceptional in that space. And again, he's really impressed me with his knowledge and his drive. He, he doesn't sit back and wait for things to happen. He's always kind of at people or, or um, to make things happen. Um, Chris Webb, the manager has been exceptional. <laughs> again, he's been in a lot of good environments. Um, so listen, Hopefully we can have a, have a big part to play and drive the team forward. It's been a dream of mine to be part of uh, Wallaby's uh, coaching group um, since I've probably been a, a boy. So, so it's, you know, we're all lucky that we're working hard together to make things happen. It's interesting you mentioned a lot of people have spoken about Dave's emphasis on culture and, and building that within a team. And when he spoke, I think it must have been January now, it feels like a long time ago, um, you know, about selection and that sort of thing and, and that cultural side of things and not, um, not being keen to to focus on players who are playing overseas. Um, just interested to know now that all the things that have kind of unfolded this year and, you know, there's so many concerns around the world about where players might be playing and, you know, players moving overseas for whatever reason, you know, what do you, where do you stand on that? And what do you think, you know, selection for the Wallabies might look like going forward? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think for us, when Australians are playing in Australia, it's probably better for us in the sense that, you have slightly more, um, you see them, you see them more, you have more control and maybe the fitness and, and that game, you know, say, if, say if, if a guy goes to France, for instance, usually the French and usually they're not all the teams, um, but they might not have a bigger em emphasis on, on say fitness, which is for Dave, the way he wants to play the game, we need our guys to be really fit and agile and explosive and those type of things. So, um, so in that part of the game, you know, in a perfect world, we'd all love them playing. But the reality is guys will go overseas. And and sometimes it, that's a good thing as well in terms of they they discover different ways to play. They're with other international players. So I think you just try and work with what you have. Um, I know Dave's spoken to players, not only in Super Rugby, but overseas about what they're thinking about doing. And, and, so, and some players, as we know, they might time their run that they go overseas for a number of years and they decide to come back and be part of an Australian super team a year or two before World Cup um, when they want to be involved again with the setup. So, listen, again, it would be great to have everyone in Australia, but some of the reality is that doesn't always happen. And there is advantages to, to both being Australian away. So you've just got to work with... Uh, who you have within the group. Are there any guys overseas that you, you think would be a really big asset to Australian rugby or guys that you've seen, you know, applying their trade over there? Yeah, listen, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's lots of guys overseas which are really good players and I, I, won't, I, won't, go, I won't go out singling different people um, at the moment, but listen, there's, there's lots of good guys overseas and, and um, Dave's spoken to them and, and some... Some might come back in the next 
a couple of years and, and some might decide, listen, they want to uh, stay overseas and maybe not come back. So it's, it's one of those things. Um, I mean, I've always been impressed with like Will Skelton. Um, I really love him as a player personally because um, how he's developed. He's got a real um, edge about him. I think uh, talking with, say, a guy like Sean Maitland who plays with him at Saracens and who was with Scotland, he loved playing with him. And I think guys who played against him, like you speak to Glasgow players, like you're always a wee bit worried about, you know, where's that Will Skelton? And I think when you've got a couple of guys, one or two guys like Will Skelton in your team, he brings on the rest or the aggression comes out even more within the group. So he's, he's a guy that, listen, if he came back to Australia, I think that would be excellent. Um, and move forward towards the World Cup. But again, everyone's got their own goals and ambitions and, um, and things like that. But I think it's important. Dave, what Dave will do really well, he'll, he'll build relationships with all people, all players, whether in Australia or overseas. And I think that's a big part of if those guys come back, if, if the players overseas don't have a connection with the head coach, then they're less likely to want to leave their, their um, provinces or and and let's be honest, they probably get paid a lot of money to be in France or, or Japan or or maybe England. So, but if they've built a good relationship with Dave over the years, they might say, "Well, I want really want to play for this head coach, and I want to do something special with Australia." And all we can do in the next uh, period is is uh, coach the team as well as we can and build a real good culture. And maybe some of these other players will say, you know, they'll talk to the guys back in Australia and go, you know, what what's Dave Rennie's team like? And uh, if, if we've built a good culture and a, a good program, those guys are more likely wanting to come back and play within the group. Beth and I are very happy to put together a list for you, Maddie, <laughs> for players that we want to see back in Australian soil and Australian jerseys week in, week out. Before you go, I thought this is a great opportunity. We've got uh, mums and dads and kids coaching at the moment, desperate to get the youngsters back on the park. While I've got the assistant Wallabies defensive coach, can you give me three tips for mums and dads who are coaching at home on how to tackle front on. Three simple tips that they can use for their next session. Okay, so the first thing I think you've got to do with tackling is you've got to make sure that their eyes are through their thighs. So when you're coming in to make a tackle as a junior, you have your eyes through your thighs. So you're making sure that you've got a really good target to go through. Next thing is probably with your arm wrap. Okay, you hit and squeeze. Okay, as hard as you can. And the last one is to drive for five. So eyes through thighs, okay, hit and squeeze, and then drive for five. So that would be the three kind of key things, I would say. And as it, you, you start off slowly, build into it, and then do it at full pace. I'm actually doing it with my son at the moment, and he's uh, 12. I'm doing that quite regularly with him. So, nice uh, one. Yeah. Nice one. Okay, well, uh, as a present for you, Matty Taylor, for joining us on uh, Rugby Nation, we generally have our guests pick out our classic match the next week that Fan Man, who's producing this, will put together, dig it out for you. You can pick one classic match, just can't be a World Cup game, that you want to see next week that you and the young boy can sit down and watch together. What is oh, it? Classic match. Yeah, you put it on the spot. Um... Oh, geez, it'd have to be an Australia v uh, All Blacks game. Which one do I want to watch? Uh, let's... Preferably one that we win. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's <laughs> let's go way back to. Uh, do we go ninety-one semi-final Australia v New Zealand, uh, where uh, Timmy Horan does the yep. flip to uh, Campo and they score in the corner and they go on. Okay. They go on to the final. Is All that right. Really good? 
Well, I, I think there might be some World Cup rights issues, but what yeah, we'll do is we'll get we'll get Fan Man to pay the uh, the fine on it. So yeah, let's just go with that. <laughs> That's no drama. Hey, mate, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. I know that you're uh, you much love. Your return to Aussie rugby it was rightfully uh, applauded. So so great to have you back on Aussie shores, and can't wait to see you with the tracksuit on sideline yeah. when we have our first game of international footy again. Thanks, Sean. Uh, thanks, Beth. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed this. So uh, look forward to catching up down the track. Speak soon. Thanks, thanks again, Matt. mate.